Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 1 in verse 16. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I'll be short. I know that we have a lot to do tonight. And uh, I know business meetings in some churches, people have told me it just goes on and on and on and on. And, and, and I, I don't want to go on and on, but at the same time, I want to give you guys enough to where you say, okay, I know what's going on or I know what it's going to take this year to run the church. I, I have the, the privilege through uh, my position as a pastor and things to meet a lot of people. And uh, I've been to conferences and I go to these different activities. A couple weeks ago, I was at the Dare for More conference and I helped with them with that. I had a lot of fun. And uh, I, I get to have a lot of conversations, really cool conversations with pastors. One thing that comes up all the time is their concern about the condition of the church today. One thing that I, I, I've heard talk to you guys and we talk about here is the condition of the church today. And, and here's the reason why. And we have good reasons to talk about these things. And trust me, this is a message of hope, not doom and gloom. But here's, here's a scary thing about being a pastor and being part of a church in this society, in this, this day and age. And I know you've heard this a thousand different times as we get up and talk about this. But every year, and I look these up again to give you current statistics, every year, four to 6,000 churches in America close their door. Every year, 2.7 million church members fall into the inactivity list within church rules in America. 2.7 million church members that go to church that when they do the records, they have to pull that many back that no longer darken the door, no longer giving the offering, no longer teach Sunday school, no longer sending out missionaries, no longer doing the Great Commission, 2.7 million. From 1990 to the year 2000, the combined membership of all Protestant denominations in the USA declined by almost 5 million members. But here's the scary thing. While the U.S. population increased by almost 24 million. Do you guys, do you guys see where... And, and I saw another statistic. They said... And we talk about what closed down over the last couple of years. And I didn't see the number of years that this went for. But they said to keep up, we should have added 38,000 churches to keep up with the growth of the population. But instead, we're closing four to 6,000 churches a year. Christians... Well, I, I, I read this, and I, I told the choir this just a minute ago before we came out here. The United States is now the third following China and India in the number uh, of needy people in America. We became the third largest unreached people group in the world. America. The ones that write on our money that in God we trust. And I, I just... I just looked at this, and one last statistic before we get into this. Half of all churches in the U.S. in the last two years, half of all churches added, reported adding zero to their membership in the last two years. Zero. And I think this is, this is crazy. There's a lot of things that are crazy. In addition to that, as the church is pulled back and the impact of the church is pulled back... Now we have, we have legalized gay marriage in more than half of America. We have legalized marijuana. We have, we have done what it used to be to where we talked about how we've pulled God out of church and schools and all this other stuff. Man, we have gone far beyond all those things here in America. It's crazy. And you say, well, what, what happened and what has gone wrong? Well, either within the stats that we're talking about in America, within the stats that I'm talking about in the local church, 
where did everybody go wrong? Why did they start losing people? Why in the world did this church start shutting the door? Why are people not stepping up saying, here my Lord, send me, rather than 2.7 million people disappearing? And I thought this, and I, I was with the staff guys, and I was sitting there, and this was on my heart, and I told them guys, I said, you know what the Lord laid on my heart is the, is the foundation and the reason for all this? When I read the Word of God, I read about how powerful it is, and we'll get to that in a minute. But when we're, when we're teaching our children, I, I, I promise you probably in our church this morning, somewhere in a class, we sat the kids down and we said, we're going to teach you a song, we're going to sing a song. Then you know what we sing? The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. You know what I believe? That if we were to actually live that out, if we were to honestly, not, not hypocritically, and I, everybody here would say amen, but I'm, I'm going to show you guys how that actually happens. But if we were to live that out as leaders, deacons, choir, everybody else, if we were to legitimately live that out, I don't believe 2.7 million people would be dropping out of church. I don't believe four to 6,000 churches would be closing their doors. It is a lack of standing on God's word that is ruining our nation and our churches. Everything that we have, the foundation of everything, this is our textbook. People say, well, I believe the church this, and I believe that, and I feel this way, and I feel... There are so many opinions, and God says, you know, when it comes down to leading your church, this is where you get all your information. This is it. And I know everybody has opinions, and everybody tries to pull you here and there, and you know what? I get back to it, I just say, hey, listen, this is a great conversation, and I appreciate your perspective, I appreciate your, your opinion, but when it comes down to it, I have to be faithful to stand on God's word. And let me tell you, you as a dad, and you as a teacher, and you as a leader, that better be the same heart that you have, is I've got to be faithful to stand on God's word. Let me tell you why. Let me show you. I'm going to go fast, because I want to get into the rest of our service tonight. Number one, because of the power of God's word. The power of God's word. And I'm not just saying that. Just say the word of God is powerful, powerful. Let me show you. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, I'm not ashamed to preach it. I'll walk in my classroom. I'll stand up to my kids. I'll proclaim it. I'll lay it out to my kids when they're saying, what's wrong with it? Why should I do this? He said, I'm not ashamed of it. It doesn't matter if they get on TV and they mock it and they make fun of it and they throw it out the door and they say that it's out of date and it's out of style and it's out of this. Paul said, I am not ashamed of it. I will keep on preaching it. Do you know why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. And I believe that with all of my heart. This is the power of God unto salvation. It is the only thing that is going to open blinded eyes for them to see the truth and know that Jesus Christ is the only way. It is it. And I started thinking about this. When it, when it comes in, there's, there's so many things that we fail at as church. You know why? Because we get away from what really has the power. But guys, there's a lot of things that we do. And I'm not going to knock those things. I don't mind if you have junior church and you play a game and you sing a song and you get up there and you have a competition. But I beg of you with all of my heart, you have no right to teach that class if you leave God's word out. Teach the word to our kids. It is the only hope for their souls. And you say, well, they have so much fun with the games. The games are good and the games pull them in and the games make it fun. But I promise you, they don't replace God's word. I love to sing. I love our choir. I love our worship teams. But nowhere in scripture you're going to see that music is a replacement for the preaching of God's word. Nowhere. 
You say, well, you're downplaying that. No, I, I, I've been working with the choir and I've been sharing my heart. And I've been telling those guys, you set the stage for the spirit of God to come and soften. Us. We put our eyes on Jesus. We proclaim the name of Jesus to open our hearts to be able to receive the word of God. It is important, but it's not a substitute for the preaching of God's word. Churches might sit there and say, well, we get together and we praise God and we sing a lot. And so that's great. But don't leave this out. And I could go through with say tradition is not a replacement for God's word. Uh, The styles and opinions and what every other church in America is doing. Nothing is a substitute for the power of God's word because it is the only thing that brings salvation. It changes people from the inside out. Let me tell you guys something that I am a dad and as a dad, I don't want Christianity to be something that my kids do. I want it to be who they are. I want it to be who they are. You say, why are churches shutting their doors? Why are things changing? Because I'm here to tell you one thing. The word of God will do a whole lot better job of reaching our kids and reaching people and saving souls than we ever can. You bring them in there and I, and I, I want you guys, I want to know that when I drop off my kids in junior church and they sit in your classes and whatever they do, that you're going to open up the authority of God's word and teach them truth because it is truth that will set them free. You know about the word of God. The Bible says that our hearts are desperately wicked. The Bible says that our hearts are so wicked that we can't trust our heart. We can't trust our flesh. And we sit there and, and, and we look across our congregation. There's, there's apathy and there's sin and there's opinion and there's this and there's that. And there's all these things that are across there. And the Bible says the word of God is quick and what? Powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Bible says that it pierces straight to the heart, the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. When, when, when the, in, in a service, and I promise, we'll have opinions of this and that, what should be done. But God said, get out there, preach the word of God. Easter Sunday, whatever chance we get, whether it's a Christmas drama, Easter drama, or whatever it is, get up there and preach the word of God. And God said, I'll shoot through the apathy. I'll break down the carnalness. I'll get to them when you cannot. I believe. And the authority and the power of God's word. The next thing. I believe in the preservation of God's word. God made a promise. In Psalm 100 verse 5. And I don't mean to be jumping around. This is just what God laid on my heart before we get into this. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Do you know why I stick to this above all things? Do you know why when people come and just say, well, I feel or I think, I, 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 and all this different stuff, I go back and I say, you know what we need to do? We need to go right back here. We need to go right back here. Because this will never go out of date. It will always be relevant. It will always be applicable to our morals. It will always set our standards. It will always tell us what is right and wrong. It doesn't matter if 2,000 years later after the word of God was written and people start throwing out everything and we say, well, this is just the way that it is and this is modern society. God stands up and says, I trump everybody of what they say. Only God's word matters. But he promised that it would endure to all generations Fads will change. Styles will change. But this word, God's word, will never change. Don't try to mess with it. Don't try to fix it. You cannot fix it. It's perfect. And the last thing is the authority of God's word. Paul was telling Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, he said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
How much of this is inspired? According to God Himself, He said it all is. You know why He said it's all inspired by God? And if you don't understand that word inspiration, or it means that it was God-breathed. You say it was written by man. No, man was nothing more than the pen in the hand of God. But when he breathed the words, man wrote the words, and God was bigger and more powerful than their mistakes, and God wrote his word perfect, and then he promised to preserve it to every generation. But when he said that I breathe it, he said that I did it first, I did it right, and there is no mistakes. This means that everything that God said, he meant. We have a warning that God has said. Number one, God has warned us over and over again, do not water down my word. The Bible says there will come a day where they will have itching ears and they'll want you to tell them what feels good or what they like or whatever. And that goes for Christians that have been in church all their life or Christians that are carnal that want nothing to do with the truth. All of us want to hear what makes us feel good. What makes us feel comfortable. I'm going to tell you, if the doctor came to me and said, son, you've got a little boy that God's giving you and he is sick. And he's going to die unless you give him this medicine. And if I went home and told my wife this stuff is expensive and I want to make it last and we started watering it down to give to him, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hurt my child. Let me tell you guys, when we take God's word and we look at something and go, oh wow, that, that, that's going to chase people off or, 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 or that's going to offend people and young people don't like that and old people don't like that and we go through it and we say, well, we're just going to skip that or we're not going to say that or I'll, I'll leave that part of the message. You know what we're doing? We're messing with God's word. He said, preach it in season and out of season. You know what he meant by that? He said, preach it when it's popular and preach it when it's not. We are to be faithful to God's word. Do not mess with watering down God's word. But he went up and he went further than that. There was another one. He said, don't water it down. But the next thing he said, do not add to or take away from God's word. And that's how he ended scripture. Revelation 22, 18, for he said, I testify to every man. That heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that were written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take them out of part of the, the book of life. Here's the warning that God said. God said that I have given you your scripture and I meant what I said beginning to end. But you know when I grew up? I, I, I grew up in a good home and I grew up with a lot of God-fearing people. I, I, I heard incredible pastors, but there was a lot of times... That I had preachers go to the pulpit, they preached an incredible outline, and they never once used God's word. They told me how they feel, and they told me this, and I've heard all sorts of crazy things about this and that. But I promise you this, when you get up and try to say, thus saith the Lord, and you leave out his words, you are adding to what God said. There are things that are right, and there are things that are wrong, and you say, how do I know that? He said it. You turn around and you try to twist that. We try to force things on our kids or say this or say that and say, well, I was raised this way or I believe this or I feel this way. It does not matter. Do not add to what God said. We all have opinions. We all have how we feel about things. But he is the final authority. And a lot of times we'll get mad in newer translations that will sit there and pull this out and pull that, try to make it gender friendly and this and that friendly and everything. We get upset and say they are tampering with God's word. You know what? Good Christians that are God-fearing go to church also tamper with God's word. We'll want to prove a point. You know what we do? We'll keep going into it. We'll sit there and twist the scripture until it makes it sound like it supports what we believe. That's as much adding to God's word than what they're doing to try to make a buck off a new version of the Bible. 
So you know what we do? The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I will stand upon the word of God. And if we don't, we will be part of that statistic. And I'm not just saying from this pulpit. I challenge you from every lectern and pulpit and classroom in this church. Stay faithful to God's word. It is the only thing that's going to get to the hearts and minds of people. And I, I know I wish, I wish so bad. As a pastor and Pastor Danoff passing the torch to me and I'm sitting there and I'm just running with that. And, and, I, and I hear so much of different things. Well, I was raised and I believe this and I feel this. And I don't know all these other things. And I'm thinking, who do I believe? What do I listen to? Is it, oh, is this right? Oh, this. And pulled in every direction. And God says, you know what, son? I gave you your manual. I already told you what to follow. You, you can run after many. You can hear opinions and all this and that all day long. And that's why I sit down and people come to me and say, well, Pastor Tony, I said, well, let's break this out and let's discuss this. Mentor people with this. Sit down and say, hey, I, I have a strong opinion of this or I feel this way or that way. And you open it up and say, son, let me show you. Honey, let me show you. It will change your homes. It will give us a foundation to stand on. And when this is the foundation to stand on, this church will still be going 50 years from now. Hopefully we won't be here 50 years from now. <laughs> but if we are... Let's keep standing on the word of God.